HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Consider Bardwell Farm in Vermont, a producer of award-winning handmade cheese from goat and cow milk. For more information, visit considerbardwellfarm.com. I'm Dave Arnold, host of Cooking Issues. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Are you dreaming about an amazing job in a Michelin-starred restaurant for 2016? If you are, this episode of Tech Bites is for you. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners. It's Monday afternoon at 1 p.m., and that means it is time for Tech Bites, the weekly radio show on the Heritage Radio Network where we talk about the intersection of food and technology. And today that technology is a website called Culinary Agents, which is sort of like a mashup between LinkedIn and a dating site, so you can find your perfect match. With me today in studio is founder and CEO of Culinary Agents, Alice Chen. Hi, how are you? I'm very good. Thanks for coming out today. We're Thanks for having in me. The, at the very, very beginnings of the next snowstorm that's about to hit us. Yeah. <laughs> Making sure our amazing conversation turns into an actual broadcast radio podcast on iTunes and Stitcher Radio is our amazing engineer, Liz Smith, who's back in the booth. Hello, hello. Standing in for Jack Inslee. Not quite sure where he walked off to. He just tends to evaporate sometimes. Yeah, it's almost like Star Trek or something where all of a sudden he's there and he's not there. Whoosh. Yeah, it's very true. (laughs) Well, we're always happy to have you, Liz. Well, I'm always happy to be here. So today is Monday, February 8th. If you're listening in the future, we're bracing for another big snowstorm. We are also the day after Super Bowl 50, which is kind of a big deal. And it's worth noting that this is episode 50 of Tech Bites. It's also Chinese New Year. And Beyonce also dropped a new song on Saturday. So I feel like we're really at a vortex in time where there's a lot of important things happening right now. We start off every show of Tech Bytes usually talking about apps. Apps we like, apps we've discovered, old favorites that have lived on our smartphones for years and years. And I'm going to kick off the app discussion today with Tidal, because I kind of feel like I have to say that. 
title is the music streaming app um, that was purchased a couple years ago by Mr. Sean Carter. And when Beyonce released her new song, Formation, on Saturday, it was available only exclusively to download on Tidal. And Liz is shaking her head. I can see Liz shaking her head. Overrated. Well, but I do think it's a genius move in terms of marketing. Oh, absolutely. Because when you go to the Beyonce.com website and you click on download the song for free, you go to Title and you have to sign up for a Title account to get it. But then it also gives you a 90-day free trial, which I think is totally worth it because it's free music streaming and downloading. And then once you get in there, there's actually a 13-song playlist curated by Beyonce called Hot Sauce, which you get for free also. So in terms of marketing savvy, I mean, it's definitely way, way up there. Because I downloaded it and I put the app onto my phone and I am now a 90-day free trial member of Tidal. And so it worked. You'll have to let me know what you think about that. I, I was really... And still kind of am against title, but perhaps they've they've improved some of the things I had qualms with to begin with. So I'll have to stay tuned and see what you think. Well, and also if you want to give it a try, now's the chance because it's free. <sighs> but I'm so loyal to Spotify. I, I don't know. Change change is scary. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, try and embrace the unknown a little bit sometimes. It'll be okay. Just music on your phone. If you say so, Jen, I, I trust you. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the whole thing that we talk about, about social media and apps and technology, is that most people are afraid of it. But, you know, I mean, as long as you're not posting your credit card information online or your bank account and personal things, it's, it's pretty okay to go forth and, you know, experiment with brand name apps and services. So title, Beyonce, Formation, 90-Day Free Trial, Super Bowl 50, Tech Bites 50, Happy Chinese New Year, Year of the Fire Monkey. That's my intro. And I'm actually a fire monkey. Are you really? (laughs) So this is super auspicious to have you here. Yeah, I see what you did. You planned this, didn't you? Wow. (laughs) Really auspicious moment here. What are the chances? I I don't know. (laughs) Fire monkey. And not just regular monkey, fire monkey. I'm a fire monkey. (laughs) That's amazing. 2016. It's supposed to be a big year of transformative change, is my understanding of the astrology. Yeah. So transformative change, perhaps in an app. Is there an app that you like right now? Um... I, you know, right now, Duolingo, which is kind of, uh, it's that uh, language learning, um, language learning uh, website app. Um, For me, just launching culinary agents and coming back from overseas, I'm realizing that I need to brush up on my high school French. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, you know, because I'm on the go, as we all are these days, and the phone's in our pocket, it's quick to do some some language, uh, you know, testing of myself. Uh, so that seems to be my, my go-to nowadays. How do you spell that? D-U-O-L-I-N-G-O. And it's, so do they have multiple languages? I'm assuming French, Italian. Yeah, yeah. A, a lot of, I think their portfolio has grown over time. I tend to go back to French, Italian, and Spanish, um, but uh, sometimes all at the same time, too. So I don't know how much of that I'm retaining. But <laughs> <laughs> And then it just turns into Esperanto. Right. <laughs> That or I just start talking Chinese and, and, you know, then it all makes sense. No. Yeah. Well, 
You never know. You'd be surprised. I mean, it, sometimes people, as long as they hear one or two things that they recognize, you can kind of sound out the rest. Yeah. And then everything else can be filled in by watching foreign exactly. videos. Yeah, hand signals, <laughs> the dubbed versions. I found it very helpful when I was living in France and had taken college French and then was putting it into action. Very different, the language you learn in an academic sense to the language that people speak on the street and in the shops and in the restaurants. One thing that was really helpful for me was I watched TV in French of old American sitcoms and movies. So if it's something that you know really well because you've seen it over and over again or it's one of your favorite movies that you, you know, know the lines by heart or something like that and you watch it dubbed in a foreign language, it kind of... You know, it sinks in a little bit because you know what they're saying. You know the storyline and, you know, all the characters and that kind of things. And that that was really helpful for yeah. me. I'm definitely going to try that and come back to you with that. Yeah, that'd be great. You can phone <laughs> in and from wherever you are right. and let us know. <laughs> Our next uh, show will be in uh, French. <laughs> okay. All right. You heard it here first. We haven't done a foreign language show, but we could easily do a French show. Maybe we will. Liz, do you have a, an app for us? You know, I'm going to defer to our friend Caitlin here, who's shadowing in the studio today, who has had, she's just been raving about this app, let me let me be honest. So Caitlin, without further ado. Um, so I just got City Bike, and the City Bike app is amazing, and it uh, tells you how many bikes are at the different docking stations all over the city, and it makes you realize how many there are and I'm a big biker and so I was like I don't need to get city bike but then when I got city bike I realized that means you can bike one way which is life-changing so um yeah and it also tells you how long you've been riding because if you go past 45 minutes it charges you so you stop at like 43 and then wait and then get a new bike so city bike app has, have you found that the information in the app is incorrect to real life in real time? Not yet. Because I know a few people who use the city bike quite frequently, and the complaint that I've heard is that it's not real time, particularly when you get down to just a couple. So if you see there's one or two bikes or one or two empty spots and you get there and there aren't. Mm, I haven't had that problem yet, but I don't live in a very uh, city bike popular neighborhood, so I I haven't really had that issue. And are you on the going on the ride per ride, or did you get an unlimited key? Unlimited. It's amazing. It's, with the IDNYC, it was $127 a year, which is a great investment, I think. Because I think it's, what, nine ninety nine for a half hour? I don't know. It's too expensive unless you're a tourist, I think. Yeah, amazing. That's great. City Bike, it's a great service. We totally endorse that. So as mentioned at the top of the show, Alice is here to talk about Culinary Agents, which is a business that she started a few years ago. It's online. It's a job search, job listing, job finding You create a profile as either someone who's looking for a job or someone's hiring a job. You load all your information in, and you can either apply for jobs that you find, or it'll match you, and uh, maybe someone will find you, which is pretty exciting. The big news, I think, well, there's a couple big news points coming up. Alice just got back from Europe, where she was in Paris, where you all sponsored the Michelin reveal event. Oui. How was that? (laughs) 
<laughs> it was uh, it was really special. I mean, I think for those who are familiar with Michelin here, um, it's really only in three cities in the U.S., uh, so it doesn't have the full effect as a whole country. Uh, and in France, uh, it was you know the, the event was kind of the pinnacle of what people were waiting for, and people travel from different uh, you know from different cities and uh, the countryside to come to this event if you're invited, and um, they really celebrate. Um, the accomplishments and the new stars that are awarded, but also the people who have held their stars um, come. And it's it's a really, really special uh, event. And we were fortunate enough to have um, quite a big uh, presence there, being um, the global sponsors and uh, myself being able to attend. It was really, really special. Is that the first time you've attended? In, in France, yes. Yes, we uh, sponsored the three events here in the U.S. last year. So towards the end of the year, we had the New York, San Francisco, and Chicago events. Um, but like I said, it's just it was the first time of me experiencing a whole country coming together to support and to celebrate. Um, so it was uh, it was it was very special. Did you have any um, super fan moments? Did you get to meet any chefs that you'd been fangirling from afar? I, I did, Mr. Alain Ducasse. Oh, uh, I did get to meet with him. He got his third star for uh, Plaza Athene, um, and uh, that was very. Uh, significant for myself personally because I'd been working uh, closely with his team here in the U.S. with their opening in, in Las Vegas a couple months ago, as well as um, Benoit here in New York, and, uh, and now um, recently also starting to work with them in London. So it was very, very uh, unique experience to be able to uh, to meet him and also see the level of respect that everybody and his peers had for him. Um, you know, when he spoke, everyone quieted down and listened. So what did you say to him? I said, hi, my name is Alice. Nice to meet you. I said, enchanté. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then he was getting tugged from different directions to go uh, say hi to other people. So um, I got my couple of uh, about 30 seconds with him one-on-one, -on -one, and then he was off uh, meeting with young uh, new recipients of STARS, which is what he, I'm sure, um, really wanted to do and should be doing. So one of the things about culinary agents that's, one of the taglines on your website is that you have over 65% of all the Michelin star rated restaurants in the United States on your website posting job listings. Is the alignment with Michelin really important for culinary agents? It is. And I think by now, I think we're edging closer to about 70%. Um, and that was something that happened naturally. It wasn't something that, you know, we had worked with uh, the Michelin Guide or Guy Michelin um, to do. It was... Uh, it's important to us to answer your question because, um, you know, there is a level of, of quality, you know, whether it, it be um, you are in the city that it actually, in, in the U.S., that it actually it has a guidebook, or if you're just in the industry in a different city that hopes to, um, you know, potentially work in an establishment that, that has one or, or will be awarded one. Um, so I think the, 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 the quality kind of... Um, prestige that comes with um, certain types of awards that that industry standard you know I think um, I think some people have certain opinions about it either way but at the end of the day it is something that is established um, worldwide as a resource and that resource could mean that you could potentially get more business from guests who are finding you who really take that book seriously when they're traveling and the and when they're trying to spend the best uh, use of their time and money so you know I think it means many things um, it means uh, to uh, the industry people who are working in the industry quality something to strive for um, a certain level of, of prestige um, 
and dedication. And for uh, guests, it means, you know, a, a resource to maybe spend their hard-earned money and, and time. Yeah. It's also international. And whether or not people agree with the ratings, everyone agrees that it's an international standard of sorts that exists. And you can say, that is a three-star restaurant. That's only a one-star. I can't believe they have a star. But it is universally recognized. And if you, know, you are in four countries now? Yes, um, officially. <laughs> officially? How many countries not officially? Oh, well, that's debatable. Is that black, black ops for <laughs> yeah. culinary agents? You have like the black choppers out in unofficial countries? Yeah, I think the beauty of technology in general is that, um, you know, it's, it's fluid. And, and sometimes in unexpected places, it pops up. Um, and you realize, uh, and that's the beauty of a tech startup as well, is that you, you're constantly learning and observing and adjusting based upon what you're seeing. So we had um, several companies in the Philippines start using us. And actually, when we looked at it, they were hiring great talent from you know hotel the surrounding hotels from people in the Philippines. So while they weren't legal to work in the U.S., they were you know finding and placing and sourcing talent in their own you know in their own town in their own city, but using our site here. So it's those things that we kind of take a step back and we look at what do we need to do to, you know, is there a greater opportunity? How do we capture it? What do we need? And when is the good timing for us? That's interesting because we, sometimes I think we forget at how much of a trail our activities on the smartphone and the internet and the apps leave behind us as we go. Ten years ago, you would not have been able to have nearly half the information about your constituency yeah. that you have now just based on IP addresses and hours of the day and you know what people are clicking on and where they're clicking in from. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, and I think to your point with this being, you know, the Michelin Guide being globally recognized in this industry is, you know, huge, but... But small in in a in a very hospitable way. Meaning, um, you know, I was in uh, when I was in London. Uh, the executive chef or the the head chef at Barbaloon um, told me, "Oh yeah, I, I just heard about culinary agents from my friend in Spain. Are you in Spain?" And I'm like, "No, no not yet. You know, not officially." He's like, "Yeah, she you know she does hiring for a couple of um, you know restaurants in Spain, and she told me about you. And now you're here. This is such a coincidence." And I'm like, "Well, that, that's great. You know, that's it's. Uh, I don't get that feedback very often, but when you get it, it, it really triggers a whole other slew of questions and priorities." So you can when you can evolve then based on actual interest and demand. Correct. And, and learnings of, of, you know, what, what works in France or what works in Paris versus what works in London. Um, and while here in the U.S., our site helps facilitate, you know, finding people and jobs in multiple cities so people can post their job in multiple cities or people can search for jobs in multiple cities. In London, what was a big eye-opener for me that I just, I just didn't know uh, but totally makes sense is that a lot of their kind of turnover comes from people who are from Paris or from France and from Italy who are coming to work for a couple of months um, to learn and practice their English and then go do something else. So to them, you know, the fact that they have, they're kind of like at the intersection of all these different languages and, and cultures that a lot of folks go there um, in this industry, you know, get some skills, work for some folks, but also practice their English and then go, go on to do other things or work in other countries. So that was something interesting. 
Yeah, working in a kitchen is not really what I would recommend to somebody who wants to learn a language, but it's <laughs> definitely trial by fire, and you probably will figure it out a lot faster than you would in other situations because it's definitely a sink or swim type of thing. Yeah. <laughs> sink or swim. And here at Heritage Radio, we would sink or swim based entirely on our sponsors and our members. We are a .org 501c3, and we subsist entirely on sponsors and member donations. And now we are going to take a little break and hear from who our amazing sponsor is for this show. Break song is Vicodin Dreams by Taxstar. You're listening to Tech Bites. We'll be right back. Well, if you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bites, the weekly radio show on the Heritage Radio Network where we talk about the intersection of food and technology. If you want to give us a shout or bring our attention to an amazing piece of food tech that you're using that you love, or even a bad piece of food tech that totally left you hanging, give us a shout on Twitter or Instagram at TechBytesHRN. We're on Facebook. Um, or you can always shoot us an email at TechBytesHRN at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. We are very interactive. Today, we have Alice Chen. From Culinary Agents. She's the CEO and the founder. And if you are in the hospitality business, either hiring, firing, or looking for a job, you might want to check it out. It's an interesting mashup of a professional networking service like LinkedIn and a personality dating matching service like a Match or Harmony. They kind of try and you put up a profile, the employer puts up a profile, you can apply directly, but it'll also kind of try and match you up with like-minded companies and individuals. So I would be really curious to hear from you, Alice, how successful or popular that piece of it is, because that's really relatively new for job search um, and definitely new for the restaurant business. I think in typically when people are looking for a job in hospitality, they are very focused on specific restaurants, specific chefs, um, you know, there's all those stories about everybody who sat outside chef's office for a week, you know, desperate to, you know, stage on the line and finally, you know, got the job or sending letters and faxes to the restaurant they want to work at, you know, every day for a month. And um, but to have, you know, get a tap on the shoulder and say, hey, have you ever thought about this restaurant? They might like you. Yeah, it's uh, it's been Almost three, a little over three years now uh, since we started. Uh, last year was our largest year of growth, I think, in the beginning, uh, as you alluded to, the beginning of the show is um, technology in the beginning is is it's behavior change. If you're not used to it, if you're not familiar with it, if it hasn't been proven yet, um, and you always have a handful of um, thought leaders that say, sure, you know, I'll take the risk uh, because, you know, the alternative is, you know, wasting time and money or whatever it may be, um, and then they kind of trailblaze. Oh, can't speak today. They trailblaze for the rest of them. Um, for us, it has been very successful that we and we we gauge that 
um, largely by when we're talking, we get the feedback from not just the restaurants, but also uh, students, um, as well as people who have found their jobs, found multiple jobs through us, um, have shared it. And one thing that's interesting for us is that you know we have about a 65 to 70% success rate for every job that's posted on our site. And we've noticed over time that people have told us they've found multiple jobs, you know, which is in line with turnover in the industry in general. But we've also found that employers tell us that the quality of the people coming on um, and that they're bringing onto the site is, is much higher. Um, we make it really easy for both sides to kind of discover each other to to your comment you have the matching businesses can be proactive in reaching out to people who um match based upon our algorithm to their qualifications um and so we are the only site that allows talent uh, businesses to proactively reach out to talent and say you know consider us for the next step in your career if you're if and when you're ready and to keep that line of communication open um, and to, to make it a bit more transparent. You, know, you see the qualifications that they're saying. Our technology tees up people you might be interested, you might know, people you might have worked with. So the network actually supports itself as well. Um, but then for talent, if you're looking at a particular opportunity, what similar ones that are within the area that you might be interested in? So it ends up being a tool that's helping and not just a static list that you're scrolling through and clicking reply to and attaching random things to. So. Do you think that culinary agents favors the tech savvy and the organized? Because you could be an amazing cook and be really bad at typing up a resume or spell check or not really think about how employable your profile photo is because it works really well on Tinder (laughs) might not work so well when you're looking for a job. I mean, does it favor people who have skills that aren't necessarily culinary skills? Um, Well, it doesn't favor people who are technically more savvy. Um, It allows people to showcase their skills. So if you are more skilled, you have more experience, and you showcase that, um, sure, an employer may favor you versus somebody that uh, may not have the same type of skills or the experience that you have. However, with... um, you know, with the design of the site, our main goal is to make it easy and streamline everything. So you, you may not be the most technically savvy person, but um, because it's click and fill in the blank, um, we have found that, that, that it is extremely user-friendly. And that's why out of the 100,000 or so uh, folks that we have using the site right now, um, almost more than almost 50% or maybe a little more than 50% are back of house. Um, and that's significant because historically, or the feedback that we've gotten is that it's been more difficult to get um, people that have kitchen positions to, you know, create a profile or focus or fill out forms or do some of those things just because they're, you know, in the kitchen, they're, they're not, you know, in, in front of computers and um, or they have really, you know, quick breaks. They're just busy. Um, and or a kitchen has a no cell phone rule. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> or one of those, yes. Um, and so, you know, over time, and that's, that's how, you know, we've continued to design our site to make it easier and easier. How do you reduce clicks? How do we make it more obvious? Um, and we see, we kind of test the user behavior and then just keep adjusting. And that's how we've gotten to the point. We continue to do that. We'll be rolling out some new, um, some new uh, features and functions, which I'll share with you, as well as... Um, it, revamping the, the look and feel to make it even easier. And everything is designed mobile-friendly, so people are able to do things uh, very quickly on the phone. So new features, are those coming off of requests, things that you've seen, data? All, all H- of how the do you, above. How do you decide what, what 
to launch as a new feature. And then what are those new features? We're very excited to have you make announcements on TechBytes. Yes, because you're going to hear it first here. Um, we love that. We love to be first. Yes. So all of the above, um, one of the things that I'm really proud of and, and you know, with the, with the amazing team that we have at Culinary Agents is that um, we've been very adamant about taking user feedback and... Um, you know, business feedback from the business users as well as the talent on how to make this more useful, what works, what do you want more of, what do you want less of. Um, and uh, for businesses, you know, as they want certain robust features for, you know, applicant matching, messaging, management, um, over time, we've just built it into the functions, and that's they've played a part in, in how the tool has developed. Um, I mentioned earlier about the ability for businesses to proactively reach out to matches and people who have put on their profile that they're actively looking for a job or they're interested in new opportunities. And for the first time, you're going to hear it here, um, we have a new function that is called, I want to work here. <laughs> That's amazing. And the, the thought, thank you. Um, and for lack of better word, because uh, words, because it really is, I want to work here. And the, the goal of it was that a lot of students, um, a lot of people who were thinking about the next step in their career and considering moving to a different city, um, they really wanted to be able to proactively reach out to employers who might not have that particular position posted, or they wanted to proactively show that, you know, I'm available three months from now because that's when I'm graduating school, or that's when I'm relocating, and I really want to work here, and here's the reason, and uh, please contact me. So it allows the talent to be proactive um, and not just applying to a job, but really being able to say, you know, I, I saw you have a you know, sous chef position, but I'm really interested in a prep cook. I'm not ready for you know, whatever, or just whatever you'll offer me because I'm graduating. Um, and and it's, it's kind of the digital version of waiting Standing outside. outside. <laughs> yeah. Alice and I talked about this on um, a phone call last week before the show when we were sussing out what we wanted to discuss. And one of the things that I wondered if it exists anymore in hospitality is that classic story of you know the cook's waiting outside chef's office or outside the restaurant saying every day, I want to work here, I want to work here. And A, do cooks still do that? And B, are the chefs still coming out of their offices every day? <laughs> I don't know. If you're a chef who has a worldwide empire, probably not. So it might be hard to do that anyway nowadays for someone that's really successful, even if you did have the wherewithal to stand outside every day for a week. So it's the digital version of that. Yeah. So how do you balance, um, I would imagine that for, you know, an amazing restaurant with great reviews or a pioneering chef or, you know, something like that, that people would just hit that button over and over and over again. And then you would have thousands and thousands of people who want to work there. At some point, yeah. does it just become so much that the restaurant can't even sift through it if they're so successful and so popular? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I think for from the talent side, we actually limit how many you can click I want to work here for. So that helps, um, we hope, where we're since still debatable since it's brand new and you heard it here first. Um, I, I think one of the things we're interested in is we didn't want to make it so easy to say I want to work here. You have to actually, you know. Want to work it. there? <laughs> exactly. Um, and so, you know, if you only have 10 slots or 10 places you can tell, we're hoping that a little bit more thought 
um, and effort will go, will go into that. Um, on the employer side, it's the management of it, so the the ability to to categorize and sift and, and filter. So one of the things that um, I'm I'm a big proponent of, and and one of the things that um, we talk to our, our businesses all the time about is about pipeline building, um, because you may not need this person, or they may not be qualified right at this moment, but six months from now, one year from now, two years from now, maybe you know they would have gotten all this experience that is now very valuable to you and they still want to work there. So the 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 challenge of sifting the sifting through all these random emails that kind of was a result of the the years of Craigslist, right? Just click reply. I don't really want to work here, but it's easy to just click reply and attach and I'll cross my fingers to see who will reply. On the receiving end for the businesses, you have one email address with hundreds of um of different formatted attachments of resumes with, you know, maybe cover letters, maybe not. Um, and, and with our site streamlining all that from an application standpoint, but now being able to categorize and save and filter and manage your pipeline. Oh, you know, out of the 2,000 people that click this over time, um, you know, 400 of them are students that won't be available until X amount of time, and you can kind of move them into a category. Being able to manage that, um, we're hoping is something that is in the step of the right direction of building talent pipelines and then also for us as a tool to be able to help offer resources to those people who are not qualified yet for the places that they want to work with, uh, work for, but finding other positions to help them gain skills to eventually get there. I, I can imagine that a restaurant like La Bernadette would be getting a bajillion clicks of I want to work there from all over the world, you know, depending on if you're reading... You know, the New York Times Review or the Michelin or you're watching TV or you saw, you know, Eric at a festival or a cookbook or something like that, that, you know, sometimes I wonder when I look at a site like a LinkedIn, you know, and it's maybe an amazing job, but 527 people have applied for it. It makes you think about, is it worthwhile for me to do that? And I think digital, anything digital, even outside the job search, you go on Facebook, you're on Instagram and you see something has 600 comments, 28,000 likes, and you wonder if, do I even bother? Does it even matter? They're aggregating so much. They have a million you know, followers. So at what point do things become a victim of their own success, I think, from the user point of view? Like, what's the break point of, it's a small enough number that I feel like I still have a chance do, do users see that on the site the same way they do on LinkedIn? We haven't seen that or any behavior that would indicate that on our site um, so far. Um, I think, I hope that we get to, uh, we continue to grow at, at this pace where we have to continue to build functions to complement some of those Happy you know. problem of, exactly. of mass buy-in. Those are the good <laughs> problems to have, right? We would love to solve for those. We'd love to crash the server. <laughs> um, but I will tell you my personal commitment and the commitment of our team as we continue to design and create features and functions is that you know we always are thinking about the industry and the people in the industry first. Um, Want to make it as user-friendly as possible, but in the sense that makes sense for this industry. So there are a lot of things about other sites that you know we may compare ourselves to or might use as an analogy, but there are reasons why those functions don't really apply to this industry. And I think the the goal and the trick and the, the leverage that we have is to take things and almost translate it to this industry 
um, like pick and choose what's great about Instagram, what's great about Twitter, what's great about, um, you know, LinkedIn and apply that and design it into our own site and make it unique. You know, are recommendations uh, and endorsements valuable on LinkedIn? You, I, I get, you know, a lot of random people endorsing me for things that I'm like, I don't really know who you are, but thanks. <laughs> you know, and, but, but when, we, when we're rolling that feature out in, in a couple of weeks, oh, that's the second one that I've announced. <laughs> Just um, keeps getting better and better. Yeah. <laughs> um, don't touch that dial. Yeah. <laughs> Having a kind of subliminal easy functions in there that make sense to this industry. If you see a particular chef or a maitre d' or, or um, you know, a, a proprietor that has endorsed somebody for a particular skill, um, that says something and that's very meaningful because you know that that person would have would not have spent the time or put their reputation to endorse somebody. And so taking some of the features that I think are, are really great on some of the other technology, uh, technology sites, but applying it so that it really is meaningful in this industry um, and it makes sense. One of the interesting things that I've observed about this moment in time with the restaurant industry is the restaurant industry has always been very low tech. I mean, they may be fancy with the immersion circulators and the kitchen and the alginates and, you know, the sous vide. But in terms of their tech levels as businesses, I've always likened it to like cocktail, napkin and pencil. You know, I mean, they're really behind most of the other industries. But people who work in restaurants are very up-to-date with their personal technology. Everyone has a smartphone, they have computers, and they do so much living digitally, but it's almost as if when they cross the threshold of the restaurant, you know, their mentality and their accessibility changes. And, you know, when people start to function with the same level of tech savvy inside the restaurant as they do outside the restaurant, then that's very interesting for a business like yours. Um, and it is, the, as we talked about earlier, the behavioral changes that overwhelmingly people behaviorally live tech-enhanced world, live in a tech-enhanced world and live lives that are enhanced by technology. And restaurants are, for some reason, really kind of far behind. And I'm, the, only, the only thing that's been a relatively good rationale has been simply because they're really busy. They work long hours. They make a physical product. They're engaged with the physical experience. And there kind of just aren't enough hours in the day. And technology is not related to anything that they do, really, at all. It's not a short jump. So we'll see. Yeah, I, th I think for as far as adopting culinary agents and this concept of, of talent sourcing, and um, we've seen the adoption increase significantly um, in, in I would say a year ago, we only had about 10% uh, of the people who were signing up that were through word of mouth. And now we're in like the 40, 45%. And that's a huge jump in, in you know, a handful of months because, and what indicates to us is that people are telling their peers and their friends, um, their coworkers about it. And that's the main way that, that, that they're finding out about culinary agents. And that to us is a, a you know, a very significant accomplishment. Um, I would say with some of the technology that's been more guest touching or facing, um, part of it is they're they're too busy. Part of it is is probably because um, it's a disruptor to their business. It's kind of like if it's not broken, don't fix it. Um, and because yes. because yes. we don't, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Right? Very much so. Um, we don't touch the guest experience in that end. We're we're helping with the you know with the with the people side, which is a, another big piece. Um, 
I think people are a little more willing to take that risk. It's very uh, low point of entry, and, and the risk is not that high to, to use us. Um, and once they have success, then they just use more of it. But if it was something that they'd have to install, and um, and in, in the past, I would say other restaurant-related technologies might have been very cumbersome to install, to train, to service, and then they just watch the bills pile up, that once it's working and they already paid the installation fee and they you know, they people are trained on it. They just don't want to touch it, um, which I, I'm sure probably adds to the um, to the adoption rate. <laughs> probably. Well, you know, culinary agents is growing at a time in the industry where there is, you know, an increasingly loud cry of crisis in terms of staff. I mean, we've been reading the same article for the past couple years about how there are no qualified cooks or it's really hard to staff a restaurant for back of the house and front of the house. And, you know, we hear the chefs say, yeah, I'm having a hard time staffing. You, hear, you know, cooks say, yeah, there are no jobs. How can culinary agents start to alleviate that? Do you think that you can? Do you think it's a candidate issue? Like they're actually the pool of candidates is not that great. Do you think... I I mean, I have my own two cents about the the very cyclical catch twenty two that I think is is happening and getting worse and worse. But yeah, I think that there are many different factors. I'm going to try to net it down because I can probably talk about this for hours with you. Um, I could probably do a special, yeah, do like a week long <laughs> series on are there good cooks? Stay tuned in English, not French. This week. <laughs> Well, you know, that's a whole other, that's another show we could do, because we could probably bring in people to argue both sides of that coin. I think what we've seen is a combination of kind of so many different moving parts coming together. Um, You know, you have generational generational differences with technology adoption, and the, the younger folks coming out have grown up in a different um, in a different world of this industry, if you will, um, in a, a very doe-eyed, media-enriched and technology-enriched way. Um, so their expectations are different. I think regardless of people in this industry or not, the younger folks are just in, impatient in general. Um, I see this happen in the tech world as well as far as uh, applicants. Um, from, from a cook standpoint specifically, you know, because we get the visibility of front of house and back of house, and we're in multiple cities right now, we're in about a little over 30 cities in the and U.S. Multiple countries now. And also. multiple countries. It's been really interesting to see some of the challenges that are impacted by um, just broader city economical challenges. Like San Francisco, they have real challenges um, with uh, line cooks com- combined with the, their public transportation. I mean, there's so many factors that go into it, but not, you know, to stay away from all those pieces. I think one of the things that when you hear um, the talent saying that they, they can't find the job or there aren't jobs, um, and, you, and you hear the businesses say you can't find the talent, to us, and, and that's why we approach it as a matching, there are a lot of cooks. Let's just stick on, stay on cooks for a minute. There are a lot of cooks who are looking for jobs, and there are a lot of cooks who are looking for their next job. Um, and there are a lot of open jobs. But what the business is looking for uh, a lot of times or sometimes is not exactly what that talent is looking for as far as what they want to do. Um, and we talk to cooks uh, of all you know ranges of their career, and some of them are wanting to 
not be in restaurants anymore. They want a lifestyle change. They're more interested in jobs um, that are corporate focused or maybe, um, you know, specialty grocer or private or catering, something with a flexible schedule. So it's not that they're no longer, you know, they're no longer available for uh, the restaurant jobs that may be looking for the cooks, um, but they've moved on to the next stage of whatever they want to do, right? Um, so it is, it's a matching, it's a timing thing, and it's a, it's a, it's an attitude thing too. People are, are much more excited about the industry in that sense where they're impatient and they, they, um, perhaps approach it in more of a, I want to learn and work, you know, here, but then I want to do this and then I want to do that. Um, because they have some, you know, goal in their mind within a couple of years, they're going to open their first, you know, restaurant and get their, you know, awards and all that stuff. and Get their Michelin stars, yeah. <laughs> be on TV, yeah. live and, the dream. You know, and while that's great, because I think a lot of that also fuels into the excitement and other people wanting to come into this industry and the career changers and, your, and, and, and you know, um, colleges now also focusing more on cre- making sure they have culinary and, and pastry arts uh, and hospitality offerings within their broader campuses. Like it's, it's kind of, uh, it's snowballing all these great things that I think will support uh, the industry ongoing. Um, but I think right now everything is kind of converging and we're at this point in time where because people are talking about it more, now a lot of people who are not just in the industry are now seeing it more and understanding it a little bit more. And we'll see what happens from there. It's definitely uh, uh, all coming to a head. And technology allows you to play a numbers game, which I think restaurants and and job applicants have not been able to do in the past. I mean, it just facilitates. Just as you said, there are a lot of people out there looking to hire and looking for jobs. And this opens up opportunity to finding them. It's also, I think employers are going to be looking to take a lot more time about who they hire going forward as we move into the era of no tipping and higher hourly wages and, you know, better wages for cooks and, you know, all those things. A lot of it is very positive. But on the flip side of that, staff is going to be a lot more expensive and it's going to be a much more expensive asset than it is now. And I think as you know, it's human nature. If you're going to spend a lot more money on something, one or two times, three times the amount of money for kind of almost the same thing, you're probably going to spend a little bit more time deciding which one you're going to buy or rent (laughs) or lease. Um, We are out of time and I could do a whole week on restaurant, employment, Michelin, trends, food tech, dating services, all kinds of things. Um, but we don't have any more time, so I will do as I always do at the end of every episode. I like to ask my guests for an actionable piece of advice for our listeners. Alice, what's your best advice to somebody who's looking for a job right now? Who's a, who's a, you know, young person, maybe coming out of culinary school, maybe not, you know, with that dream of, of going into a restaurant, either front of the house, back of the house. Obviously, we're going to encourage everybody to go to culinaryagents.com and check that out. And that's a huge resource tool for you. But that aside, what's your recommendation to someone? What's your best piece of advice? I say be proactive. I think nowadays, if you are on the restaurant, if you're on the job hunting side and you're saying that you can't find anything, there are so many resources. And I mean, even Google, I mean, just search. Um, but, but now with the I want to work here function on our site, um, but also the, the professional networking piece where you can just connect with, um, with industry 
people, uh, past colleagues, past um, uh, you know um, schoolmates. Uh, be proactive, and you, you need to spend some time and invest a little bit if you want to find the right job, or if you want to find the right per- person to work in your establishment. Um, you know, that's my piece of advice. Proactive. That's great. It's a great piece of advice if you're looking for a job. It's also a great piece of advice for life, generally. If you want something, do something. (laughs) And, I don't know, make that a hashtag and we'll see what happens. Um, Last question to you, more of a personal one. You got to meet Alain Ducasse at Michelin in Paris, which is wonderful. Now that you've met Ducasse, who's the next chef you want to meet? Oh, wow. Um, Oh, I don't know. You've stumped me. Woo! (laughs) Wow. You have stumped me. Um, I've been very fortunate where I have met many, many uh, wonderful chefs, uh, you know, over time. And at this very moment, I can't think of anything of anyone in particular. Okay. So that means life is pretty good. Life is pretty good. Okay. (laughs) So you've checked off your bucket list. Great. I want to thank Alice Cheng, the founder and CEO of Culinary Agents, for coming by. If you want to follow Alice on Twitter, she is at Alice Y. Chen, C-H-E-N-G. You can also follow Culinary Agents at Culinary Agents, and the website is culinaryagents.com. As a little exercise, I set up a profile for myself this morning. I have to complete it a little bit more. Um, But I'm curious to see, I'm I'm not looking for a cooking job or a front-of-the-house job, but they do have categories for marketing and PR and writing and consulting and things like that. So I'm I'm assuming I'm a little bit of an outlier of the typical job pool, but I'm curious to see what happens. And I did click that match thing, and maybe I'm going to go in there and hit that I want to work here thing and see what happens. Um, So we'll check back in on that a little bit later. I'm Jennifer Leutzi. This is Tech Bytes. If you like the show, hit iTunes or Stitcher Radio. Subscribe. Give us a great review. Five stars. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.